You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 119 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo, and I'm here with the very clever Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? Good. What's new with you? What have you been up to? <laughs> All right. So, big day in the Militia house today. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> um, Go on. So... As as we record this episode, what's the date? It's uh, like February two thousand and seventeen, right? Mm-hmm. I just took the Christmas tree down. I'm like... <laughs> okay. Mm. <laughs> oh, that's good. But I, I remember that you used to like some of your children's birthdays. You would sometimes have the birthday party eight months after the event. <laughs> that long yeah I think it was (laughs) really oh my god (laughs) so the Christmas tree went up on Christmas Eve yes right and so I just you got one day out of it (laughs) I, I didn't feel right pulling it down late and then you know my daughter was away she was overseas so she only came back at the end of January so I just Mm -hmm. sort of wanted to extend Christmas and then you know you get busy (laughs) I kept walking past going I need to take the tree down I need to take the tree down so it's now come down and uh my other highlight of the week Val Mm -hmm. I went for my motorbike license and you got it I got it that's good I got it I'm licensed and my God, what a stressful thing to go through. I can't. Why was it stressful? The last time I was that nervous was when I went for my actual car license when I was 18. But why was it stressful? Well, because it's it's like you you have uh, a guy assigned to you who Hmm. – who who is testing you and like what what I did was like you book an hour beforehand and he runs you through the test and the road that you've got to go on and it's a mm-hmm. road to like an area I'm not familiar with mm-hmm. and do you want to know what the most stressful part of the test was for me it was like he'd say okay now listen this is what you have to do and you go okay you go to the first roundabout you take the first exit then go stop at the stop sign then take the third right then you drive a little bit second left drive a bit more first left got it (laughs) and the first time I looked at him and I'm like I wasn't listening (laughs) oh my god 
And so it was like trying to remember all of that. You actually, and then you've got to remember to use your indicators. And then the other thing that he said, and and he's like, we're going on big roads, which like that makes me nervous because I don't like the freeways. He's like, you have to stay on the speed limit. Like if it's 80, you've got to go 80. And I'm like, I don't want to go 80. That's too oh fast. Oh, my God. So – I passed. I didn't. I lost uh, a couple of points, and I got Ooh. one warning. And one of the warnings Ooh. was for going too slow on one of the roads because oh, I, I was too scared to go over seventy. And it was in peak hour traffic on a very hot day. Okay. So, so wow. Sweaty. So it was now that, but I got it now. Yes. Now that you have your motorbike license, what does yeah. that mean? What? Well, it how? just means that I don't have to wear the L plates anymore. And <laughs> um, I thought it meant that I can now take people on the as passengers, but you're not allowed to for a year. Uh, oh. Yeah, because obviously you need to learn how to control a bike properly. So Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, wow. All right. Well, congratulations. I think Thank that's really you. exciting. exciting. I'm excited. Well, what's been happening in the world of photography for you? So in the world of photography, I'm just uh, I've just finished packing the car. So everything oh. in the car is now in there, including probably if I could fit the kitchen sink in, I I would have. I've got a yeah. big shoot tomorrow, a big TV shoot, and uh, like a number of big shots that we have to do. A lot of comping that I'll have to do, as in mm. shooting for comps. So we're getting a, like a number of cast shots. So yeah. I've just got to make sure that I've got all my lights, the spare light kit in case one of the lights blows all the make sure I've got all the um, different diffuse you know modifiers and then I'm thinking through all the shots so I've just got everything I've got all my batteries charging it's uh it's kind of like a half day's work just to get me to the shoot as well all of yeah and then thinking about the shots and making sure that I've um worked out the shots and and this is something we've been doing a lot in the goal community Val with like people who are planning their shoots and working out that the ones that have spent the more time you spend planning a shoot, mm. the better the results are going to be because it's not just planning how you want the shot to look. It's planning for all the things that might go wrong on the day. So it's like, well, what happens if I get asked to do this? I better have this just in case. What happens if uh, there isn't enough daylight? If you're shooting mm. daylight, how can I make you know sure that I'm, I'm covered for that? And you just want to make sure that you've got everything covered and you've taken detailed notes so that you know exactly what you're doing and I find that the more of the pre-planning that I do the the smoother the whole shoot goes on the day including a checklist that I make sure that I'm not forgetting any you know little cords or uh, hard drives. Do you have an actual checklist and where do you put it? I do have a checklist checklist that uh, lives at the on the um, top of my bag that I just uh, check everything off and mm-hmm. uh, make sure that everything's in there and also, yeah, so that's just a, a like a, a good habit to get into. And then I've mm. got n- notebooks as well. I like to I like to be old school when I'm planning shoots and I like to actually use pen and paper for some reason. It just feels mm-hmm. better. So um, I've got notebooks everywhere, all over the house, in the car, in my bag, <laughs> in case I think of something, write it down. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Okay, so you're shooting in the studio tomorrow. 
it'll be uh, yeah in a, in a um, on location at another studio. So it's like not that that that's the scariest part when you're on location. It's not like you can go oh I'll just go into the storeroom and grab this light. Yeah. You've got to bring everything with you and make sure that you have absolutely everything. Wow. Well, you're going to have a very busy day. So now let's move on to this week's episode, which is something that we're seeing a lot more of because in this constantly increasingly online world uh, Mm. where people are creating content and putting stuff out on websites, putting stuff out on social media, it's so important to optimize your photos for websites and social media. So that's exactly what this episode is about, how to optimize photos for websites and social media. Now, where do we start on this? Because it's 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 not just a matter of file size. It's a whole range of things, isn't it, Gina? It is. And it's like, it, it, it's something that uh, a lot of uh, new photographers uh, get confused with. And uh, it, like, it's how, how everyone views your photos, what different websites and social media sites actually do to your photos when you upload them. And I'm, you know, if I had a dollar for everyone that complained about what say Facebook does to their photos, mm-hmm. like it looked really good. And then I put it on Facebook and Facebook wrecked it. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, and also it's so important that, you know, for, as photographers, we display our, our images to look as, um, as as good as we can so that like the what we're seeing on the screen and and what we're sharing is what ends up in on everyone else's screen so there's a few things you can do to uh, ensure that that happens. And the other reason that this is so important is um, a lot of uh, photographers are using their like personal websites to market themselves. And so if you've got uh, people going to have a look at your website, and even if you're uh, not a professional photographer, but you just want to share your work, you want to make sure that the experience when someone visits your website, that experience is as as uh, smooth and easy as possible. Mm. And unfortunately, um, a lot of photographers will load images uh, to look as good as possible, but often they uh, load images that are too large in size. And so for the person looking at the site, uh, and it's happened to me where I've gone to a site and I've wanted to look at images and, you know, five minutes later, nothing appears. The text appears, but the photos don't appear and you're waiting, waiting, waiting. And what happens? Um, like it's not even like most people are not going to wait five minutes. Most people are not even going to give you 15 seconds. If like, if it's not downloaded straight away, they'll move on to the next uh, site on the list. So Pretty it's much. a delicate balancing act between getting the shots to look good <laughs> and to load quickly. And the other thing is Google penalizes websites that load too slowly. So mm. if you're one of those websites, they're going to put you further down the list in Google searches. So you want to make sure that your website is one of the ones that loads very quickly so that you're not penalized by Google. And and the other thing that um, I want to share today is ways that you can uh, create images and optimize them in the best way so that uh, social media sites like Facebook uh, don't do too much damage to your images and other stuff too like even um have you, have you had that experience where someone says, oh, I'll email you the photo mm-hmm. and they'll email you this image that's like 
eight megabytes in size yes. and suddenly like you're overseas downloading mm. that image is going, you just used all my data. Yeah. <laughs> that image yes. and it's huge and it doesn't need to be and like, you know, there's two hours of your day waiting for this image to, yeah. to come through. So don't be that person. Um, and uh, so or someone sends you an image and it's soft or it's fuzzy or it doesn't have the right resolution because they haven't resized it in the right way. It's very confusing because it's like like a lot of things. It's like it's 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 just not there's not a simplified standard that like and it's 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 difficult to get your head around. But I'm going to uh, simplify it and give you a step by step way so that you understand and hopefully uh, everyone's images are going to look amazing online love and it. load really quickly. Love it, love it. So where do we start with all of this then? All right, so. Let's uh, let's start with uh, how images are measured online. Measured. So that's the yeah. So th- there's um, file dimensions. Let's talk about that. Okay. Um, so there's there's basically uh, four factors that inc- influence the quality of your files online, and so that's the the type of file that you choose to upload, the mm-hmm. display width and height of that so- uh, of the file. Right, mm-hmm. and the also the um, let me just scroll down the color profile that you choose to use, and the compression that you go with as well. So let's start with how files are actually measured, and this is where a lot of people get confused when they're told that a file needs to be a certain size, uh, a lot of people measure their files in centimetres or inches and that's what the, how they'll upload. But that's not mm-hmm. how the internet sees files or how it measures no. files. So the files are actually um, um, measured by pixels rather yep. than um, inches or centimetres. So, um, But before that, let me um, – let me just uh, go back and talk about the file type that you might want to choose. So that's this is where people get confused. So you get all the, the little um, letters at the end of a file. So you've either got .jpg, yep. .tif, .png, or yep. .if, right? The file type that you want, the universal file type for displaying images online is mm-hmm. the universal standard is the JPEG. So, mm-hmm. And the reason is that JPEG files can be opened by most image editing software. Everyone can see them. So it's like a universal language for file types. So, um, it's, so what happens – and did you know what JPEG stands for? Just as a little uh, – <laughs> Something photographic, something, something. Yeah, pretty good. So, Joint Photographic Experts Group. That's what JPEG stands for. Right, okay. Okay. So, a JPEG is basically, it's a technique that takes all the information in a file and compresses it to about 5% of its original size. So, it's like you take like one big file and, and squeeze it into 5% of the size so that we can share it online. Mm-hmm. Because if we just use the original file size as they came out of the camera as a RAW file or a TIFF file, it would be huge and we'd be waiting 
days for files to download. So some clever, the joint photographic experts group came up with some uh, some sort of uh, formula to work out how we can get these files squashed down to 5% of their original size. So you always want to um, have your files converted to JPEG. Now, most cameras uh, will do that for you automatically. If you're not shooting RAW, they'll convert the files to JPEG so that everyone can see them. So that's the first thing. Um, Just for general knowledge, the PNG, if you Mm -hmm. ever want to convert a file to that, that's great for logos because um, if if you've ever got a logo that's PNG, it means it can be, um, if you've just got the letters there and there's space around the letters it means that the white space won't show up on your on your transparent that's it so um (laughs) that's what that's for so now so if you've got a png of abc or the or png say of awc which is the australian writer center my business you can put uh that png on a black background or a white background or any color background and and it's it's transparent so um if you actually had a logo on awc on a white background then if you put that on a black background you'll see the white on the black but if you have if you have a png file of the of the logo it will be transparent Mm -hmm. so you always want to make sure that your logo is saved as a PNG file and you'll be able to have uh, use that uh, in a lot more places a lot easier. Um, All right, so display width and height of an image. So print images, so images that are going to print. So before we had digital, we always measured images in inches or centimetres. So it was going to be an 8 by 10, a 10 by 12. That's where all that came from. When we started, when we went digital, uh, the new way of measuring images was in size by the number of pixels in the image. So when you see, when you see the image size of a photo and you see, you know, uh, 10, 10, 1080 pixels by 720. If you were to open up that file so that you could actually see that and keep um, enlarging and enlarging it so that you could actually see the pixels and you started counting, you would count 10,080 across by mm-hmm. 720 down if you bothered to do that that little exercise. And so what I did to just prove this is I, I got an image and I resized it down to 20 pixels by 13 pixels right. and I enlarged it and uh, I then counted the pixels to prove it and I've put that in the show <laughs> notes so that you can see that that's exactly how pixels are measured. And what happens is like they're just little – the little – dots of color in an image yeah. and most of them are made up of thousands of different little little squares of color so a photo is actually tiny 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 not dots but actual squares of color and so that's basically all an image is that's how you measure an image by the pixels across and the pixels down and another little fact if you ever want to know how many megabytes uh, the camera is that took the image you look at the uh, the the information, uh, the pixels, so the width mm-hmm. by the 
by the height of an image, you multiply that together and you'll get a number in like you'll get um, 20,000 pixels. That means yeah. your, the camera is uh, a 20 meg, supplying 20 meg files. Okay. That's how, that, that, how good is that? Ah, to know? good. Okay, that's, that's good to know. That's how you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so file size is uh, measured in, in kilobytes, KB, or megabytes, yeah. MB, or if you're yeah. getting really big, gigabytes, GB, and then bigger than that is terabytes, TB. Mm-hmm. So um, there are 1,000 kilobytes in a megabyte, a thousand mm-hmm. megabytes in a gigabyte, and a thousand gigabytes in a terabyte. So that's yeah. just um, the the measurements there. An average yeah. computer screen val is only twelve hundred pixels wide. So yeah. anything larger than that going online is wasted. The average computer is going yeah, not right. to see it. All right. Mm-hmm. So. Um, the average resolution for prints is uh, 240 DPI. That's dots per inch. So that's what do you mean for print? You mean so, when it's printed in? So if an image is printed, a magazine? It's, it's yeah. So you get a okay. resolution of uh, DPI, which stands for dots per, per inch. Mm-hmm. So resolution on computers is me- measured in p. PI, which is mm. pixels per inch. So, the the when when we're printing, that the printers give us an ideal uh, printing um, number, spec. which would be a spec, which would be yeah. somewhere between two fifty to three hundred. DPI dots yeah. per I think inch. most printers would go for well in Australia anyway go for 300 DPI. Yeah, to, well, but it depends on on who's printing it. For yeah. Resolution for computers val mm. is only 72 PPI pixels per inch. That's what most computers can see in. Okay, yeah. so um, it but so PPI and and DPI both describe the resolution or how clear an image is, how clear you can see it, but they're not mm-hmm. the same thing. So PPI denotes the number of square pixels that show up in an inch of a of a digital screen and yep. DPI is a printing term re- referring to the number of physical dots of ink in a printed image. Now, yep. DPI and PPI gets confused when it comes mm. to screen resolution. So, DPI yes. is just for printing. Yep. PPI is the is the number that we the, – the, the, the measurement that we want to concern ourselves with for online use. So, okay. Now, here's a fact that gets confused a lot as well. PPI, pixels per inch, does Mm -hmm. not affect the file size. Only pixel size matters. So when you're working out the measurement of your file, you Mm -hmm. only ever want to be concerned with the pixel dimensions. Okay. Okay, so the 72 was a standard invented by the early computer makers and they adopted that as it was adopted as a, a like across um, all computers now and most computers only have a, a resolution to see at 72 PPI to mm-hmm. about maybe 100, 110, but no more. But it's not going to affect anything that you upload to the web. If you upload mm-hmm. it at 500 DPI, 200 DPI, 72 DPI, it's only ever going to be seen at 72 DPI. So um, yeah. when you're uploading to the web, you can use 72 as an average, uh, but 
but it it, it actually doesn't matter. It matter. It's not going to affect your image. And to prove that, I resized images mm-hmm. uh, that that were. 1080 pixels across by 720 pixels um, uh, high, right, which is a standard that I use for uh, my website, Val. Mm -hmm. And I did them at 1 PPI. Mm -hmm. I did them at 72 PPI. And I did them at 300 PPI and at 800 PPI. So the same pixel dimensions by different pixels per inch. I changed the um, pixels per, per inch. No difference in the image size or the image quality. I've uploaded those images to the show notes, Val. They're exactly the same. It doesn't okay. affect the right. size of the or the quality of the image. It, it, it doesn't affect it whatsoever. So as long as you're putting the uh, pixel dimensions in first. So it's pixel dimensions are the most crucial factor. The number of pixels you have across by the number of uh, pixels you have high in an image. That's what's important in how the image is going to look on the screen. Okay, great. Making sense? Yes, making sense. All right, the other thing we want to look at is JPEG compression. So that's another factor that affects image resolution or how clear the image is going to look on the screen. So most uh, computer, uh, uh, most image software is going Mm -hmm. to have, give you the option when you're saving something as a JPEG, it'll give you a, you'll get a dialog box that uh, asks you what size you want to save it and you'll get a compression scale from one to 12. Mm -hmm. So one being the lowest and 12 being the least amount of compression. Now, what you need to be aware of is all JPEGs are already compressed to start with because remember we had the big raw file to start with and when we convert anything to a JPEG, it's already been made smaller down to 5% of its original size. So we've already compressed a lot of that information. How much of that image we compress after the fact is going to have an effect on the quality and the file size. So You can choose number one if you wanted. So the the, the most compression, so the lowest compression, it's going to make your file the smallest file. Unfortunately, Mm. if you do that, it's going to have an effect on the resolution. So what I've done is I've taken an image and this is an image where you've – like. Images where you've got large areas of plain color, like a blue right. sky yeah. or plain background, this is where you're going to see um, image compression and uh, the, the the quality, um, the effect on the quality the most in these sorts of images where you've just got a flat yeah. background. So what you'll start to see, and I'm not sure if any of you have noticed that sometimes you might have an image where there's there's a sky, you'll see banding, which is like the colors. Uh, it's not a clean color, but you'll see like um, like bands of color where it's breaking up in the background. Have you ever seen that? Sort of like streaks? Streaks in the background. And you're wondering why that comes to down to Mm. how much the image is compressed. So uh, I've also in the show notes uh, done a series of um, images where I've uh, compressed um, to the lowest quality. Yeah, and you'll see that they look like uh, like onion rings on the, in the sky. You can definitely see uh, the banding like in the show you notes. Can see the banding. It's like that's okay. the lowest. And uh, 
you, you, and if you, if you want to follow along, the show notes are, of course, at GinaMilitia.com. That's M-I-L-I-C-I-A. But, um, yeah, there's a, some examples there, and you can definitely see the banding when there's JPEG compression. And so even at the, uh, the highest, uh, with no compression, there's still a little bit of banding in that blue sky because it's, uh, it's still being compressed a little bit. So if you want to avoid that altogether, you want to find a file size that doesn't compress at all, which would be a TIFF but you can't put that online. So, no. um, but you want to avoid having, having that banding and, and, and avoid having the lowest quality of a JPEG. So what happens is you get a very, very small file because it's like you've compressed it down to the smallest size, but you've um, lost quality in the image. And uh, so you've got to sort of weigh up where the image looks best. And so it's always good to just sort of try it out on your image. So something like a, a around a compression of 8 to 12 is going to save a lot of uh, the information and it'll probably look the best on the screen. A compression of around 1 to 7, what happens is uh, the software throws out um, like little bits. So if you've got like a blue sky, that blue sky might be made up of 20 different tones of blue. If it's compressed down to zero, what what the uh, software does is it might throw out 10 of those tones. And so that's why you get that stepped look because some of the information is missing. It basically just throws it out. That's how come the file is made smaller. It's compressed. We throw out information. Okay. That makes right, sense. So that's, that's the uh, that's the compression of an image, which also – so the next um, important factor to remember is color profiles. So – Color profiles are like a universal language so that uh, all colors in an image look the same across different devices and printing formats. So it's like a universal language. And color profiles uh, vary depending on um, uh, by the range of colors they represent. So you've got color profiles. So um, do you remember, Val, did you ever do um, painting by numbers? Yeah. Well, sort of. <laughs> I bought so, the I bought the um, set, but I never yeah, painted it. Of course. <laughs> probably, did you keep it pristine with the plastic yeah. still on the wrapper? Yeah. It's probably like a collector's item now. Yeah, yeah. yeah I can still yeah. remember the image. It was really? like a lady, a lady, um, you know, um, uh, like a Spanish dancer. <laughs> <laughs> so. In the painting by numbers um, kit that you got but never mm. opened, yeah. you got like a, a set of colours, okay? Yeah. So yeah. you got a green, a blue, a yellow, a red, a, like a, all the different colours. So imagine if um, every uh, software in the world had the same painting by numbers kits. They're all the same. So we knew that like if someone here had the painting by numbers kits and someone in um, America had one, someone in Italy had one, they all had the same colours, right? Mm -hmm. We knew that they were the same colours. So when they painted by the numbers, everyone's paintings would look the same because we all use the same colours. So colour profiles are like a digital painting by numbers, Val, to make sure that everyone's colours look the same Ah, across all the different screens. So that's why we use a colour profile. Now, there's Mm -hmm. different kinds of colour profiles. We can get colour profiles that have every single colour 
under the sun, there are like a really wide gamut of colors like Profoto and Adobe RGB. So they have the widest, most number of colors. So when you, when you process an image in using those profiles, your images are going to look amazing because like the red might be made up of 500 different tones of red. The blue might be made up of 500 different tones of blue. So you're going to get a really dynamic, beautiful looking image with a very wide tonal range. Mm-hmm. Then there's um, smaller color profiles like sRGB. And okay. this this color profile only has a certain number of colors. So it's narrower. It doesn't have the same amount of colors as, say, a Profoto or an Adobe RGB has. Okay. It's a smaller set. It's the set for beginners. And this is the um, color profile that all um, – the internet uses. So okay. every every device views images in sRGB. So mm-hmm. if you upload, if you take a photo and you, you use uh, Profoto and you work on it and it looks amazing on your screen and then you upload it to your website or Facebook, mm-hmm. it's going to be viewed in sRGB. So mm-hmm. that's what ha- that's why many people get disappointed when they see their mm. images as like it looked really good when I had it on my screen and then I yeah. loaded it to my website and it looked kind of dull that's yeah. because that's because some of the colors got taken out so yeah. it's important that uh, when you're working on images uh, for print and then sending an image to be viewed online to a website or to a social media site that you actually convert that image to the color profile that it's going to be viewed in so if mm. you if your your workflow would be if you're working on an image and you want that to go to the client or to the magazine that you're shooting for or to to an exhibition, then you mm-hmm. work in the, the the best color profile that you can, like a pro photo. So the yeah. whitest color profile that has the most colors in it. Okay, yeah. work on the file like that. That's how you store your image and you keep that. That's your final image. Then you will make a copy of that image and convert it to the color profile that it's going to be viewed in online. Yeah. An sRGB. And if mm-hmm. it's looking a little dull or washed out, you might want to tweak it a little bit so that it's optimized for the web. Right. So you and then you tweak it within that particular you tweak format. The copy within that that yeah. color profile so that you know that now when that's viewed on another monitor by someone else, it's going mm. to look the same way you've just seen it, but you've had to adjust it because it doesn't have the range of colors that your profile that you were using for print or for magazine was going to have, okay? So you need yeah. to apply the sRGB profile. Now, some uh, – some people recommend that you just start in sRGB from the start. So you import mm. into Lightroom, edit in, in sRGB and keep it at that profile. But that's – you're throwing out half the information. It's it's like um, not shooting in RAW and um, just shooting in JPEG from the start. You, you're not yeah. giving yourself the best quality possible. So yeah. I disagree with that. I say you start with the best quality. You shoot RAW. You, you process in a, a, as wide a color profile. So you use your biggest box of paint by numbers that you can, Val. <laughs> Okay. 
for all your other uses, which are going to be, and you always shoot in the hope that one day your images are going to end up on someone's wall or on the cover a billboard. of or a billboard. That's how I shoot all my shots. Yes. So I always, you always want to give yourself the best chance possible. And the best way to do that, because you don't know what's going to happen next week or next month or next year. So you start yeah. by shooting raw, processing the best color profile, widest color profiles like Profoto or Adobe RGB, then save those, then make a copy and convert it to sRGB, tweak it if you think it's looking a little muddy or flat, and it's ready to um, go online and be converted for web. Yeah, great. Okay, great advice. Love it. Okay, so they're all the little things that we need to consider. Um, when There's a lot to consider, isn't there? There's a lot to consider and it's confusing and it's like if, – but if you leave it all to chance, you're always going to get average. But if you sort of understand a little bit of this, it makes a big difference to how your images look. Um and, of so, course, we're not necessarily referring to when you're taking a snap and, on Instagram and uploading it, but if you're no. doing photography and your client, as clients increasingly want social media-ready images, what you can do is provide them the print you know, print resolution type images, but also yes. make sure you're providing them uh, images that are social media friendly that you have already done all of these things to because then they'll exactly. think that you're awesome because that they're ready to go and they don't need to resize exactly. them and, and they don't upload it onto their website and go, oh, my God, it takes so long to download and stuff like that. Exactly. So what I like to do as a default for my clients is uh, I will have all my large files that are going to be for billboards or magazines or the wall or whatever and then there will be that the high-res JPEGs and then there will be uh, web web versions and uh, in the name I'll also put a W. That's my uh, protocol so that I know at a glance which, which image is uh, – resized for web and which image is uh, high resolution for print and uh, other purposes. Okay. So resizing images for the web, as I said earlier, it's like a balancing act between looking good and loading fast. All right. You want, you want sort of to have the best of both worlds. So um, you want to, um, you, you you really don't have long to grab someone's attention. No. I know there's a lot of stats out there about what how long people will give up on a website, but I know it's not many seconds. So you've sort of you want to be like you want to have the images like loaded rapidly so they're there and they'll they'll grab their attention. So yeah. you don't want them sort of giving up in frustration. So um, the the steps are you want to resize to the optimum size for viewing in pixels. Now, it's hard for me to give you uh, a number here because all websites are the same and it depends on the particular template that you're working with and uh, what, what is the optimum size for viewing images. But you'll now know that if you ask your uh, website developer or you – um, just look up the specs for the particular website that you're working from. What are the optimum pixel dimensions for the images? You will get a number. I know for mine, uh, for the main images, uh, for blog posts in particular, 1080 by 720 are the pixel dimensions, right? So mm-hmm. you find those out, you resize your image to the, the optimum viewing size, you compress to around 
uh, a nine. So remember I gave you the one to 12 guideline? Yes. So you, want, you go to around number nine. And just to make things easy, I know I said that PPI doesn't matter, but just just as a default, just set it to 72 and uh, it's, it's easier. So you set, set your PPI to 72, all right? Mm. So you're going to get an, a, a file size that's um, fairly small, but there's something else you can do after the fact that's going to make your file uh, even smaller and load faster. So there's um, other software out there, and there's one that I've been playing with, and it's called Kraken. Mm, okay. <laughs> uh, and it reduces the file size and the loading time. And I actually did is a that test. Like with a, it. Is that like a tradies Kraken, like a plumber's Kraken? <laughs> did, like the. When you hire tradies, if yeah. there's like three inches of kraken, they do a better job, don't they? <laughs> um, is what tradies a thing in North America? You reckon? Tra- I don't know. Crack? Well, anyway, for our North, North American listeners, a, tra- a tradie you know is a, a tradesperson. Yeah, and yeah, you know person. when they bend over and they're trying to fix the plumbing. That the plumbers, that it's called plumbers crack in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> So there's probably another website called Kraken, which is just dedicated to Plumber's Crack. There's probably a website called Plumber's Crack. Yeah. That would be a great name for a business. If you were a plumber, you'd name Plumber's Crack. Wouldn't you? Isn't that a cool name? Yeah, I guess so, but we digress. (laughs) So Kraken (laughs) is – is this software that I experimented with. Um, so basically uh, I've uploaded my uh, protocol. I just have to interrupt here and say yeah. there's an app called Plumber's Crack. <laughs> there is. Yeah. What, what do you do with it? You throw stuff at the plumber <laughs> <laughs> while he's under the kitchen sink. I think you try and get it into his crack. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> we digress. Anyway, there's a software called Kraken. Yes, let's get professional. And um, <laughs> so what I've done is I've actually, in the show notes, I've uploaded my uh, expert uh, export protocol from Lightroom to uh, upload images for um, the web mm. and all the different um, – stages that I've gone through this so the export dialog box um, the other thing that I forgot to mention is uh, there's a checkbox in the dialog box when you're exporting using Lightroom called where you can select uh, how much metadata you want to include in the image and uh, just as a default I only include like copyright and contact info but you can also include location details and all the camera specs as well if you want to and so so, like, people that are posting to sites like 500 Pics and Flickr, I think, like to include that data as well because other photographers want to know what the specs were when you took the photo. But back yes. to Kraken. So, I've exported <laughs> my image. Yeah. Uh, it's 1080 by 720 at 72 DPI and the file image size is 369 kilobytes, right? Mm-hmm. I then take the image into Kraken. You drop yeah. it in. It's free. Free to get Kraken, Val. Well, <laughs> free Kraken. <laughs> okay, awesome. <laughs> and um, 
got it down to 109 kilobytes, Val. Yeah, right. So, wow. Do the math. Yeah. So that's the free version. The the um, paid version, and I figured, but because I was having a look at it, and I'm thinking I'm going to run my whole website through this yeah. because you can actually just point it at your website and go, okay, just resize all my images, and it'll do it for you. Wow! So that your your website um, uploads, and then what I've done is I've actually got the two images. So there's the Kraken cracked one and the original <laughs> one. Yeah, you can't tell the difference, Val. No. Can you see the difference between the two no, images? So no, no, I can't. Of, a, of a, a, a two hands holding like a, a, a sweets in, in like colourful candy, um, candy in, a, in, a, in their hands. Mm. Uh, so there was a lot of detail there. So I wanted to show something that would, if there, if there was loss of quality, you could mm. see it. There is no loss of quality on the, on the image. So no. basically what you've done by using something like this, and it's not, Kraken isn't the only one. It's just got the best sounding name though, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, I reckon. And we got a lot, a lot of fun out of that one. So, yeah. But but using something like so, if you're a photographer and you have like thousands of images on your website and you do want to display them all, but you like maybe your front page is like opens up to twenty images and it is taking forever, then you mm. might want to consider using something like this um, uh, post production Kraken tool, and uh, you can reduce file size by up to you know seventy five percent. Like like do the math. What is it like? It was three sixty nine. And then I got it down to 109. What's mm. that as a percentage? Is that like? So it's like a quarter almost. Yeah. So, mm. yeah, that's pretty good. Mm. Reduced down to 25%. So, yeah, almost. Yeah, maybe 28 yeah, so that's pretty mm. good. And imagine mm. if you could save that across your website on all the images without loss of quality. Yeah, great. Pretty impressive. So, so that's a way to optimize your images for your website. Um, when it comes to Facebook, Val. Yeah. So here's the thing. Uh, what What are the guys' <laughs> names that run Facebook? Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, so Mark, right? Mark Mark's um, uh, internet bill must be messed <laughs> at home. You, at, at home. Yeah, he's running it out of his mum's. Um, Garage, isn't he? Still, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think so, his internet bill must be quite massive. Generally, at his work, yeah, yeah. yes, so, at Facebook. So, so when you when you get an internet, you know, when you subscribe to an account, like you've got uploads and downloads, haven't you? And then after that, they start mm. charging you. So it's like bandwidth or something. So yeah, imagine if three billion people were using mm. your site. Mm. The, the charges would be fairly high and they're all uploading photos and videos. So they had That's to find right. a way to like keep the bill down a little bit lower, yes. just cut, cut the fat because poor things, they must mm -hmm. be struggling. So what they do is they they scrunch your files even further to save on their data usage bill basically. Yes. Facebook. Yes. And that is and the technical term, scrunch. Mm. They They – but but they they butcher your photos and yes. so from uh, Facebook's help page they say we automatically resize and format your photos when you upload them to Facebook to help mm. make sure your photos appear in the highest possible quality 
try these tips. So they yes. recommend that you resize your photos um, to either 72 pixels wide, 90, 960 pixels wide, or 240 pixels wide. And mm-hmm. uh, 2,048 pixels wide. And mm-hmm. they say to avoid compression when you upload your cover photo, make sure the file size is less than 100 kilobytes. So that's the cover photo. That's the background photo. That's mm-hmm. a big one. And then yes. they recommend that you save your image as JPEG, with an sRGB color profile. And if you are a nerd and like are into all of this sort of stuff, uh, mm-hmm. upload an image to Facebook and then um, with a whatever color profile you want and whatever DPI you want and then um, upload it and then resave it from Facebook and have a look at the stats. And if you upload a full-size image, like you might have a JPEG straight out of your camera, which could be like 5,000 pixels wide or something, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and upload it with the Pro Mm -hmm. Photo color profile at 300 PPI, Mm -hmm. and then you upload it to Facebook and download it again, you will find that it is 2,048 pixels wide. It is uh, a JPEG. It is 72 PPI, and it'll it'll have the sRGB color profile because that's what right. Facebook does. Yes. Now, the problem that that happens with Facebook is if you are uploading a JPEG that you have worked on um, your end and you've gone, okay, I don't want um, – I don't want to spend ages waiting for my photo to upload, so I'll compress it to maybe a seven or an eight so it's a smaller file size because it's just going on the web and Mm -hmm. I'll make it a 1,000 pixels wide and, right, and I'll give it to Facebook. Facebook then takes that and scrunches it further and they'll scrunch it down to 960 or 720. So they'll compress it further and then they'll sharpen it. And that's why it looks shite. <laughs> so, so the best way to avoid um, Facebook wrecking your photos is what yeah. I do is I actually don't – I upload full-size photos to Facebook. So you don't bother doing anything no. to them beforehand? No. So okay. And then I let Facebook compress them and I find that like if I'm giving them a photo that's uncompressed to start yep. with, they're going to compress it a little bit but I didn't give them a, a photo that had any compression to start with. So I find that sure. that gets the best results. Okay. But um, to get optimum results with Facebook, and I've mm-hmm. also uploaded I, – I, you can create um, – and I'm about to do a blog post on this. You can actually make uh, user pre- – export presets with uh, Lightroom so that you don't have to keep – entering all this information every time you export an image. So so I've created an export preset. I've called it Facebook 2017 and I've also got an export preset for Instagram 2017. So for Facebook, what I do is uh, I resize my long edge to 2048 pixels. Yeah. I give it a resolution of 72 PPI. Yeah. And uh, I don't sharpen it as uh, because uh, Facebook will sharpen it any anyway. So that's uh, and and the quality I I do it about 82. So that's without sort of diminishing it too much. Mm-hmm. And for Instagram, 
I do uh, long edge of 1080 pixels uh, so that uh, now with Instagram, they don't actually compress, uh, they do compress the images uh, a little bit as well. So mm-hmm. um, that that's my workaround. So it's worth, it's worth experimenting mm. and seeing what happens, but it's also worth kind of getting your head around uh, and understanding the difference uh, between uh, pixel dimensions and measuring images in inches and also understanding how the different profiles work. And it's probably worth spending 15 minutes with a photo and uh, resizing it and Experimenting. and experimenting at the different compressions and seeing what happens and how the image looks and uh, even writing underneath the image, well, this is at a compression of eight, this is what happens. And knowledge is power and sort of understanding definitely, all of that definitely. is much easier. And then you, once you've got your head around it, then you'll know when you email a shot, this is what it needs to be. When you're printing, it's different and um, how to maximise your photos uh, using <laughs> – Kraken. Yeah, using Kraken. (laughs) I think the important thing is that I suspect that there's going to be a whole group of listeners who are going to find this immediately useful and and very, very practical. And there might be some of you listening who are thinking, you know, I don't really care what my pictures look like on social media, but earmark, bookmark this episode because I guarantee, I guarantee that if you have a client in the future, uh, you know, who wants to use their image on social media, this is going to be so useful in terms of the way you provide your images to them because they themselves may not understand what they want or what they need, to be honest. So um, you'll win points if you can if you can come to them and say, look, this is ideal for print, this is ideal for social media for this reason, this reason, this reason. And if you can explain that's because Facebook or whatever have this particular, you know, these particular parameters. So yeah, bookmark this episode if you you're kind of thinking at the moment, I don't, I might not need this now. I suspect that in the future that you will, but hopefully the rest of you have found it really useful. I certainly did because I, I find it a little bit frustrating sometimes when I um, am using uh, some images on social media, some I don't, I don't worry about because they're mm. just images of, you know, I want everyone to see how adorable my cat is that, that, <laughs> at that particular moment. But um, when I'm doing things for um, professional reasons, I, I often find it useful to, to know all of this. So thank you very much. That was a really good topic, Gina. It was, it was yeah. good to share that. Yeah. Thanks, Fantastic. Belle. So what is um, ha- why don't you have a think, Gina, about what hashtag Gina challenge is for this week because <laughs> what we have every week is a challenge and we, we call it hashtag Gina challenge and then hashtag whatever the topic is. Now that topic could be a whole variety of things. It could be um, look up. It could be black and white. It could be grunge it could be color it could be um you know what you learn in five minutes uh and so you can interpret that topic however you like and what we do in the facebook group which is um if you if you're not already a member of the facebook group then go to facebook search for so you want to be a photographer podcast community 
and um, and and click to join and, and, and we'll let you in. It's free to join and it's a great place. Lots of sharing of ideas, lots of sharing of photos, but that's where we upload our hashtag Gina challenge for the week and everyone interprets it differently and it's great because then Gina and I are able to see your shots and see what you're up to and I always think it's fantastic because we have listeners and in the community from all over the world and what I love is seeing photography from all over the world. So, Gina, what is hashtag Gina challenge for this week? <laughs> Kraken shot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so it's Kraken shot. <laughs> and um, we would love to see how you interpret. I'm sure there's going to be a whole variety oh. of interesting. <laughs> Keep it PG, however. Um, uh, crack and shot. Shot. Uh, <laughs> big shot as you crack. Show us your crack. <laughs> but we won't do that, no. No. We'll just call it cracking shot, yes. Yeah. All right. So anyway, um, yeah, we'd love to see your shots uh, for, for hashtag Gina Challenge, hashtag cracking shot. So, Gina, we're at the end of this week's episode. What are you up to in the coming week? So I've got my big shoot, Val, so that's yeah. what I'll be doing. And what about you? What are you doing? What am I doing? I have a whole bunch of stuff happening. I've got some keynotes to prepare for. I'm getting organized on a few things. I've, um, uh, you may remember that uh, some several episodes ago I started weaving yeah. photographs. Um, weaving photographs. I have now moved on to weaving ropes. So I've become a rope, a bit of a rope expert. And my downstairs of my house is now full of multiple, many different types of rope. What are you making with rope? What so what like macrame? Is it I'm sort not of that? Quite or, doing no? macrame, no, because it's rope. It's full on rope. It's not but, like but what are you string. I'm well at the moment. I'm making a wall hanging. Wow. Yeah, out of rope. So, yeah, that's that's something a little bit different. And um, I will be playing with my new camera. Oh, you got you got it. Yes. So I got um, a what? So um, as you know, I have the Canon Mark uh, Canon Five D Mark Two, mm-hmm. and and it's awesome. And I use it a lot, particularly for work. But what I found was I wanted something I wanted to put in my handbag. Mm-hmm. And so I got one of the new mirrorless cameras and I got oh. the Canon. Yes, I got the Canon M5, which is very small. Um, wow. But the beauty is I also bought, got the um, adapter so I can use all of my 5D lenses with the um, with with the M5 as well. So full, uh, it's a crop sensor though, the M5, right? This is a very good question, Gina. I think it is. And um, yeah. So it's it's it, the the main thing was I wanted something that really I could just grab and go, you know, and I didn't need a giant pack and stuff like that. And yeah. this is so compact. Um, and so far, I'm I find it's only been two days. Uh, I have found that I am using it a lot. I'm I'm I've 
I've only like be, like gotten to know it and um, spent quite a lot of time reading the manual and reading websites and stuff because I wanted to make sure that it worked with the the app the um, Canon Connect app which it does. It took a few goes though, and um, that's a whole other story which I, I'll share in an upcoming podcast. And um, so yeah, it's uh, it's 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 been good. I've been testing it out and a few things, but I need to really like just take it out and test it properly now that I've figured out all of the stuff that I need to know about it. Wow, looks amazing! Yeah. I've just had a look on online to have a look at it. I can't wait to have a look at it, Val. Yeah, it's really cute. You know, it's it's mm. a it's it's a it's a putting your handbag camera. Um, as opposed to, you know, the, the big boy, the big girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can see. It's uh, like it mm. fits in your hand, really. It's the size yeah. of your hand. Literally, wow. yes, yes. But it's, um, you know, the great thing is that it it will take yeah, the, yeah. the 80 to 200, my 80 to 200 lens and it will be obviously a bit front heavy, but fortunately yes. I have a tripod that um, will cope with that well yep. because it's yep. almost like a platform. So I think I'm okay on that front. Otherwise it would be it would be a bit weird and a bit disproportionate. Um, but, yeah. Well, I'm really keen to to do more stuff with it. I've been taking quite a lot of shots just around the house because I've still just been to get your head around it. Yeah, yeah. so um, it's going to be fun, <laughs> exciting, Val. It is exciting. It is exciting. Yeah, yeah. I've taken photos of my babies already of, of Rex and Rocky, have. and going to yeah. expect a lot more. <laughs> yeah, oh, upload some cracking shots in, Val. I'll upload some cracking shots of <laughs> you, my cat. Okay. Yeah. I've got a cracking shot of you. Yeah, probably. <laughs> no <laughs> doubt. It's not hard. When you were when you were shooting and you were like you were uh, I think you had your little gardening um mat knee, knee so, pads, that, yeah. so that you were um yeah. shooting low and yeah. Uh, yeah, and I was behind and I got you the got crack and crack. Shot. Yeah, good on you. <laughs> but I'll be I'll be nice, I won't upload that. But maybe if enough listeners ask me to No, it's not happening, Val. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Where do we find you online, Gina? Uh, GinaMilitia.com, G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A, at Gina Militia on Instagram and at Gina Militia on Twitter. And you'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram. And I am, of course, in the Facebook community. If you search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community on Facebook, we would love to see you in there. And thanks for listening, everyone. And, of course, let me know if you want to see the cracking shot of Gina. If I get enough votes, I (laughs) might just post it. All right. Thanks Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com.